0: Here is your host, Derek Carey. Thank you for tuning in, fine listeners of Astro Radio Z. As always, I'm your host, Derek Carey, and with me tonight for the first time in 59 episodes. Is that true?
1: <laughs> yeah, just about, I think, yeah. Oh my
0: gosh, since Mark, you and I have done an episode, just the two of us.
1: It was uh, the, before we uh, were shooting hole in the wall uh, that weekend. We went to see the Purge.
0: Yep, and we decided, you know what? On, on the way back from there, let's hey, let's let's do a podcast. And uh, I I always liked that episode. I thought it went well.
1: <laughs> it did, considering both of us were uh, rather new to the whole thing of podcasting. I th- I, I thought it went well as as well. so
0: I was thinking about doing this episode for a while now uh, because I actually liked the original Purge movie. Not many people liked the first Purge movie. and I don't think Mark, you you recommended it, but you were kind of a little skittish about the first movie. You didn't quite like it as much as I did if I remember correctly.
1: No, you, you were a little more into it than I was. I mean, I got I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the concept. But the story, the way it played out, wasn't exactly what I was kind of hoping for. It, actually, the one we're talking about tonight is what I imagined the first story to be like. So, And I think I watched a behind-the-scenes thing last night because uh,
0: I went out. Here's the true story about uh, how I watched The Purge Anarchy, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, the second Purge film. Mark said, Hey, the new Purge movie's coming out in a few weeks. How about we catch up and we'll do another episode together for that movie? I'm like, But Mark, I haven't even seen the second one yet. <laughs> so let's, I'm like okay well let's do an episode on the second one and then we'll go do we'll we'll try and get together we can hold hands at the theater and watch the purge election year and then we'll do that so prepare yourselves astro radio zombies there'll be a purge three episode in the coming weeks but so I decide two weeks ago I'm gonna rent purge anarchy go to the video store Walk in, rent it, and rent Krampus. Amanda wa- saw Krampus. She's like, oh, I want to see this. Do you want to watch it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, which, uh, sideline, I didn't really think too much about Krampus. Didn't like it too much. I was really disappointed in Krampus. But mm-hmm. anyway, so I rent The Purge, and then I got so tired that night, We didn't, and I only had it for a night, didn't watch it. Kept the movie over three days overdue. Still didn't watch it. Had to take it back. So I went back and luckily they were selling it for five bucks. I picked it for five bucks. I'm sure this is exciting radio for you folks. You get to <laughs> listen to all these details about about my renting habits. But anyway, so I bought it for five bucks on Blu-ray. Beautiful. This movie's beautiful on Blu-ray. And uh finally watched it last night. And they had a uh, behind the scenes featurette on there in which they the, the filmmakers basically talked about the fact that a lot of people had a problem with the first film because it promised this huge anarchic murder spree that was supposed to go on over the course of one night. If you're not familiar with what The Purges, folks, the central conceit of the films are. It's sanctioned by the U.S. government one night a year for 12 hours. Um, you are allowed to commit any crime for that span of time in which... It's essentially a way for the government to weed out the poor and the weak and uh, allow the rich and the the plentiful to become more rich and plentiful and get rid of uh, the the people in society that they want to get rid of. That is a burden to the system anyway. So for 12 hours, people can rape, pillage, steal and even kill to an extent. They can't use explosives and they can't do stuff like that. But for the most part, they can do whatever they want for 12 hours so the first film is only about one family that are holed up in a house and they have a group of people that are trying to terrorize them so it's basically a home invasion film
1: it wasn't it wasn't a bad a home invasion film it had tense moments it had
0: very intense moments. And I remember what I liked about it was, is that it, it even though there were parts of it that were hokey and tired to the home invasion genre, it still built on, it had a nice tense atmosphere. And then when it finally broke free and it was violent, it was really violent and really intense. I really liked it. And I think that tone of the end of the movie spills over into this new one. And the filmmaker said they wanted this movie to be the movie where they finally opened it up and allowed you to see what was going on in the streets during the purge and, uh, and allow it to, to, you know, that bloodlust to kind of be satiated. Mark, to start this out, do you want to give a quick synopsis as to what is the, the basic story of this second purge film?
1: Basically, as Derek said before, they're carrying over the premise from the first one where there was the new founding fathers who apparently have saved America by starting The Purge, which, as he said, is is 12 hours of basically you can commit any crime, murder, rape, pillaging, and that is, is legal. Purge Anarchy picks up on, uh, we've got multiple storylines that kind of cross and converge. We've got the main storyline, which is uh, we've got a character by played by Frank Grillo who is a gentleman we're introduced to basically who appears to be on a mission and he plans on taking part of uh in the purge and then we have a waitress and their and her daughter who kind of get caught up in the purge uh due to some uh they're, they're held up in their apartment but they end up uh, getting pulled out of their apartment by some nasty individuals. And Frank Grillo's character happens to see them and rescues them. At the same time, there's a Caucasian couple who were trying to get uh, home before the purge starts. And they're being chased by a group of individuals when their car breaks down. And so uh, this group ends up kind of latching on to Frank Grillo's character, who who really wants to participate in the purge. Uh, but we're not quite sure why. And we see how uh, his good guy side kind of creeps through and he walks these individuals through and tries to protect them from basically the rest of society as they cross town. And uh, he looks at the time trying to get, be able to uh, as they say, uh, uh, release the beast and, and, and uh, purge before the end of uh, this year's purge. And so we kind of see him kind of a, a, almost escape from New York type of feel.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This film had a lot of that feeling. And I think that was a good thing. I think, you know, if you're going to do a film like this, which essentially, as we talked about a few episodes back with the green room, the purge, the first film, especially there it's bottle horror, it's yeah. that kind of really claustrophobic, even though this takes place in a city, the city felt very claustrophobic because n- no matter where they went, they were always on guard every t- corner they took there were snipers um there were roaming marauding groups of people, there were just random crazies that were out to satiate their bloodlust because in their normal lives, you know they're they're subdued people that are bullied and victimized and this is just their chance to get out there and finally, you know, right all the wrongs that have been done onto them for one night, regardless of the fact that they may get killed themselves. And, and that's, you know, what I like about this series is that feeling of the, the tension and the claustrophobia. Even if this was, you know, a wide open city, this was different than the first film that took place mostly in one central location in that house. It still felt as tight and and small Mm -hmm. as that first film is, and I was talking with Amanda because she watched it with me, and there's something about these two films, and I think it might be the central conceit of the Purge itself that kind of sets me on edge, and I and even before the violence really starts, I feel really tense. I, there's something about just the idea of, of of this, because maybe it's because of the society we live in now and how gun crazy everybody is and how militant and how the violence is starting to escalate to points where some tragedy can happen at any point. It, I mean, proven just the other day when a, a Muslim gunman decided to mow down uh, a gay club. Yeah, um, it, this happens on almost daily or weekly basis where something like this happens now. So something like the purge just does not feel that far off for me. So when I watch this movie, I am very anxious. It makes me very anxious the same way the green room made me feel very anxious. And the, the film knows what it's doing and it, Works for me for the most part. I liked this movie just about as much as I liked the last one because it's a very intense experience. Overall, Mark, what did you think when this movie started up? How did you think it played out? Did Did you end up liking this one a little bit more than the first one?
1: Oh yeah. I, I loved, the, I fell in love with this one quite a bit and not just because of the Frank Grillo character who Frank was great in it. I, oh, I, he's I, awesome. He's
0: easily the best uh, character in the film. He,
1: he is the best character and he was just, he was great in it. I, I, I really love this character, but in general, yeah, th- these two films are unnerving. I saw it in a theater and I loved it and I watched it again for the show and I still loved it. it. It still held up for me. I'm like, I'm still tense. I still, even though I know what's going on, there are some really intense situations. And I think, I think what helps with it is the fact of it, it's not exactly polished. Nothing in here. The way they shoot it, they don't shoot it shaky cam or moving cam or LI, uh, NYPD blue type style. But it's just the way they shoot this. You you only get so not many wide shots. Yep. Otherwise, you, you're you always with the people, and yeah. you don't see much further than what they see. Yeah. So you've got that tension all the way through, and very few modern horror films, uh, and just very few. F- action films in general, and this isn't a get off my lawn moment, it's true fact, have a problem with keeping consistency with the threat. Right. There's, there, there's usually a point where everybody's comfortable and then they got to get back out. In this film, just when you hit a point when you think people are comfortable, <laughs> shit hits the fan <laughs> because yep. of a family dispute. And, and that's what I loved about it is it, it, it has just... That hint, and like you said, Derek, with reality and uh, art kind of reflecting one another, uh, it, it has just enough tinge of reality and the situations they put into where you're going, I could see this happening, and that really scares me.
0: <laughs> it, it frightens me to my core. And it's just like these two movies, there's something about it that hits home a little too close. That just, they can see, like, once the purge starts, there's, you know, they, they have, it was this way in the first film, they have, like, a, a, a national alert that goes out on TV, and there's horns that go off. As soon as that happened, it didn't matter what happened after that, I felt on edge. Yeah, yeah. I felt on edge just in general, just, I'm just, like, the whole idea unnerves me.
1: Well, and you're sitting there waiting to listen outside in case you do hear a real horror. <laughs> no,
0: right? Right? Well, then you see these damn memes on Tumblr and all these other places where people, you know, oh, let's do a purge and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you, you guys, you know what? You, these are the same idiots that wish there was a zombie apocalypse. It's just like, you know what? You don't want this shit to happen. Are you kidding me? You Don't be serious about this. And what I liked about this one was, is that the first one made it seem like everyone was just gung-ho, ready to go and be, uh, get nuts and kill everybody. And they were out there and it was just a free for all. And only the, the rich and elite could really sit behind their bunkers and hold themselves up in their houses while everyone else had to kind of fend for themselves. This one, it kind of showed that, Uh, there was a big faction of people that were starting to kind of revolt against the purge and not as many people were going out as before to sit and uh, partake in this. And really only the true crazies and the opportunists were out there. What did you think of this, Mark?
1: Yeah, I, I really liked the fact that, like I said, this was what I was hoping the first one was and, that's one of the things that really appealed to me was seeing the multiple storylines and seeing how society actually was uh, either accepting or not accepting of this. And I, you know, the, the revolutionary group, just, it made sense that there'd be a group out there, especially, you know, after it's been going on for six years, uh, you'd be sitting here going, yeah, there's not everybody who'd be going along with this, (laughs) you know? And, Uh I I like that aspect. I I like seeing more of this world that they built Uh, and, and the characters that we follow along, I liked them because they felt uh, uh, genuine too. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the, the, the young couple who uh, there's a scene where they're in the subway tunnel and these crazy guys with flamethrowers and that on trucks are coming down and the one guy gets shot and the wife sticks next to him and he just says, just keep shooting. And they start shooting and they don't take out the bad guys right away. But I mean, it, it's not, you know, the we have people who know enough how to handle a gun, maybe not well, but you can tell people have trained themselves enough because of the way the purge is. Yeah. So, you, you know, they're not exactly scared of weapons, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I just loved I love the world building uh, and I got I really enjoyed that idea that there's a rebellion and the little the rich scene, folks, too. I liked that bit a little bit because, uh, even though it was a little bit hostile ish, um, very
0: much like Hostile Three,
1: like Hostile so. Three, only done better, yeah, 100 um, better. It, it was done better than Hostile Three, uh, but I liked that bit, I liked that just a little bit of I hate to say cheesier silliness to it because that scene was still intense, but it did alleviate a little bit of the reality tension that was going on through most of the film because we get to there and then we get to this just wild scene where the rich folk are bidding on who to hunt. And, you know, you could kind of see that. But on the other hand, too, you're going, okay, this is just a little over the edge, but I need this. I need this because most of the film I'm sitting there going – Maybe I need to lock my doors and start boarding up my windows with metal shades, you know?
0: Well, it, it alleviates some of that attention of regular home invasion. Like it takes it from being the strangers where yep. you're constantly on edge and somebody's tr- constantly trying to, to off you to being a, a caricature, to being something that's a little over the top, which the idea of the purge is. Right. It is kind of a satire on gun culture and on on the violentness of the American society. It really is speaking about that kind of things. So in, in the way that the rich are portrayed in this film, you have the vast majority of the people, which, uh, you know, 99 percent of the the nation are portrayed in a very frank and real manner they yeah. feel like real characters they feel like real people they say things that that feel genuine that you would you could relate to these people and then when they showed the rich people they were all this kind of like idealized sitting in posh mansions always smiling and winking at each other and so behind and Okay with killing that they would they would pay people to bring poor people into their houses so they could kill people in in their the safeness of the confines of their own house. It was just the way that the rich were portrayed in this film were portrayed as evil and as caricatures, almost as if they were like Freddy Krueger, but Leave It to Beaver Freddy Krueger.
1: Yep. <laughs> exactly yeah they they were they were the the uh, the super villains if you were of the of the film uh but I liked that I I, I liked that a bit it, it did alleviate it a little bit you know near the end uh because at that point in the film you're just like especially uh, there's some characters what they do with masks in here that are just creepy there's this group of individuals one's got this pure white mask that says god and he's swinging a machete and there's just something about the imagery in this film that that just creeps you out you're looking at this going
0: yeah, that's that's eerie. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of it. And, and that's kind of a holdover from the first film mm-hmm. where the the group that was terrorizing Ethan Hawke and his family were also in masks to kind of, you know, get rid of their own personality. And this is the personality for the purge. These are the killers. This is they're purging themselves of their sins by kill getting rid of all these urges in one night. In this 12 hour span and then going back to their regular lives where where they're upstanding members of society. And this was what the dichotomy of this, these this one night where all these people that have had all these urges for an entire year can go out and kill anybody, kill their friends, kill their lovers, kill strain, random strangers. And then the next day, everything's supposed to be okay. This was something that was like very interesting to me. Like how, in reality, would you be able to just kill somebody and then the next day not feel bad about it or not have any consequences whatsoever that was that was a very interesting concept to me
1: yeah well i i and I think they addressed that very well with uh the one gentleman who breaks into the the apartment of the the mom and daughter who end up hooking up with uh Frank Grillo's character, I forget the names offhand, but uh, they they follow that because kind of he busts in because he states how he's unleashing the beast and everything. But he says, don't you know what kind of society we're in now? If you're not, you're not nice to someone during the year when the purge comes around, you better go hide because that person's going to come after you. And I thought that was an interesting, you know, him saying that put some things in perspective of, so, yeah, as far as those people, you know, 364 days out of the year, people are going to be a little nicer to one another just so they don't have someone trying to hunt them down. Uh, you know, when the purge comes, uh, I, I thought that was interesting that that was addressed. But yeah, and then you can tell that not, you know, some people it it's just a rage thing. And that's one thing they don't explore too much because we're always seeing the movie during the purge. But it would be interesting to see how things were handled after uh, The Purge on a wider scale, how some people might have handled it. Right.
0: I, uh, there are certain things that really work about these films for me. And then there are certain things that that do bother me. And there's not much because I, I have to say, in general, both of these films are a big thumbs up for me. I like this one a little bit more than I liked the the first one. Mm -hmm. which uh, I really liked the first one, but this one felt very much to me like another recent film that uh, we had on the show, the green room Mm -hmm. uh, where it just felt like it escalated and escalated and escalated. But unfortunately what didn't work for me was the end of this film. Oh, the very end where he spares the guy. Yeah. There was something about the fact that they had to have, um, a happy ending, but mm-hmm. I mean, quote unquote, happy ending uh, to this film that just didn't set well with me. Now, that's not me wanting uh, a movie of pure nihilism, because I don't think that's what this film is um, there. You know, like we said that the 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 rich are kind of like over the top Freddy Krueger type, you know, idealized bad guys. Uh, you're supposed to hate them. They're the one percent. You know, (laughs) you're you're anyone that's not a complete rich person. You're supposed to hate these people. They're the people that everyone sits in, you know, demonizes anyway, because they're the downfall of this country. But uh, what really bothered me was, I think even beyond the fact that, you know, this this speaks about our, our inherent hatred of each other in this country There was something very interesting about the idea that this main character, Frank Grillo's character, which is his name is Sargent in this film. Yeah. um, That he was this guy whose son was killed by a drunk driver. And his ex-wife, who remarried, came to settle because she knew he was going to go do something. Yep. Came to visit him before the perch and said, You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this because she walks in his apartment and he's got pictures of the man who killed his son in a drunk driving accident on his wall. So she knew exactly what he's doing because he's got a bag full of guns. He puts on his uh, Kevlar jacket. He's ready to go out. He looks, he literally looks like the Punisher about to go out and, and take out some people. And he looks at her because he's he's changed. He's so wrought with, like, revenge. That's all that will satiate is him going out and finding this guy and taking care of this. It's the only way he'll be alleviated of this, supposedly. And when he gets out there and he finds this these people and starts helping them, you see that really he's conflicted because he obviously – Was a man with that was a trained killer. Mm -hmm. And I loved how they portrayed him, how he would go out there and he would just take everybody out very efficiently, didn't waste any bullets. He was just a one man fucking wrecking crew. And as the movie went along, you could see, you know, he was starting to have second thoughts about what he was doing, why he was there. Why he was out in the perch, but then when it got to the point where you know what, no, I need to take care of this, I need to go do this, and then he gets to that house and by after everything that went down throughout the entire movie and he gets to the house of uh this guy he's going to kill, the way they edited it, they made it feel like he went ahead and did it, and I thought that shot at the end where the gate comes up and he walks out, yeah. I felt so gross. (laughs) There was something very interesting and powerful about that, that I thought when it all of a sudden the other guy came out and they had to have that heavy handed monologue from the guy with the Gatling gun and all that stuff. I thought that was the absolute wrong way to go Mm -hmm. with this film, because I think that this film is doing more than just sending a political message about the climate of gun culture in violence in our society. It's also speaking about the inherent grizzliness of just in our mistrust of each other as people in this country. And I thought that that end where he went and even though he was a good person, he still could not help himself. He still was driven by anger. And I thought that was a very interesting way they could have ended this film. And they didn't. Instead, they went with the happy ending. What did you think about this, Mark?
1: You know, I hadn't thought about it too much till you brought it up. I did kind of like the happy ending, but it felt a little out of place with the rest of the film. I think it would have had more effect had the door come up and he leaves... And we're not sure if he actually kills the guy ever or not. I I think, you know, had he just came out uh, of the door and went back to the car and and then you hear the horn of the purge of it ending and you're never quite sure, you know, go to credits. You're you're never quite sure if he actually does it or not. I would have liked that more. They could
0: have just done the, the Night of the Living Dead ending where he walks yeah. out and then the Gatling guy guns him down and then the troops come and pick him up and put him in the in the, in the meat wagon.
1: Or they could have. Yeah, they could have gone that route as well. That's the one spot where it actually went from, OK, we've got a non-traditional look at uh, not only gun culture, but class warfare with this, because this is like class warfare taken to the, the 20th degree which is great because not many people were you know, brave enough or, or even thought of this concept. But at the end, they had to have the explanation. Yes. And, and that felt like, okay, this is the Hollywood bit of ending where we're going to explain this to you because yeah. the audience couldn't have put together that these guys who are well-organized – may not have been working as an independent group. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like you left enough breadcrumbs throughout the movie. Didn't need that explained. That You did not need that monologue at the end. You're right. You could have easily had him killed, tossed in the back of the truck. They could have taken off and have the mom and daughter just going, uh, Okay, Uh, (laughs) you know, and then if you still wanted to do a happy ending, have him had shot thrown in the truck. They drive away. The mom and daughter get out and we see the guy run out from the house.
0: Dude, you could have done that. And you could have if you would have kept that guy with the Gatling gun silent. Mm -hmm. He could have been like the the smoking man from the X-Files. He could have been this figure that you could have rolled over into the next film. Yeah. And he could have been mysterious. Instead, you had to have this idealized, you know, monologue where it was, you know, we need, we don't need heroes. We need people out there purging. There's not enough killing. People are starting to not want to do this anymore. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's just like, you didn't need to do that. You don't, I don't like having my hand held at films. It was no. interesting to that point. And when he walked out of that house, I felt gross. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was just like this guy, you've been rooting for him the whole movie, and he just became a scumbag. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he became a scumbag
0: at the end, and I was just like, this is interesting. This is doing something here because I am actually feeling something. And then it just gets vanquished within two seconds.
1: <laughs> it, it does. Yeah, That that's the only thing. But I think they did that ending one because possibly they didn't think they'd be doing a third one, <laughs> um, you know they might have had plans but not quite sure. But two that 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 was the Hollywood part of it, um, y- you know that that's just that was just the wide release part of it. I think had it ended the other way, y- you might not have had it wide release. <laughs> just saying. it, uh, you know. Dude, I saying? smell a fan at it. I smell a fan edit of this (laughs) easily. And you wouldn't need to mess with anything except those last five minutes of the movie. The way it ends, you could trim it out completely differently. Still keep the tone of the film. Heck, like I said, even keep it if you really want to be a happy ending. Have them after they shoot grill and toss them in the truck. Have the guy come run out of the house, you know. Or even worse, have him run out of the house, and he gets killed. Dude, I don't even think you have to do that. I think you yeah. keep it. He walks
0: out. You know, he's closing his eyes. He looks mm-hmm. up, and then he gets shot down. Then the guy comes over with the glasses and just looks down at him, cut to black.
1: Yeah. You could – there it is. There it is right there. I think it would. that's a great ending, but really oh, – not, imp- not only oh, that, horn. but when you go to black, you do the horn of the end of the purge. And just so you have that last sound of, of creepiness. That's
0: perfect. That's amazing. I would, I almost want to do this fan edit now, Mark, you almost got me wanting to do another fan edit. I I haven't done a fan edit since I did that fan edit of uh, the evil dead remake. (laughs) You almost made me want to do another fan edit now. That's brilliant. That's awesome. But really in the grand scheme of this movie, That's the only thing that I really have to complain about.
1: Oh yeah, Uh, same here. That's the only part that didn't quite sit right with me. That felt a little out out of place with the rest of the film. Otherwise, yeah, this is a solid film. I mean, it it doesn't, for the most part, it doesn't get overcomplicated until the end when we mention the description. But for most of this film, you can follow what's going on. In, you know, like when they're in her friend's house and the sister decides to purge in the house because of the uh, her husband cheating on, you know, her with her sister. Yeah, that what was funny is, but that you could see that happening. Yes. Here, here we got a family who thinks they're safe, but you had something bad happen during the year again and it just bubbles up and here's someone's taking advantage of it and this right here it, it showed a prime example of how the purge preyed on the people who yeah were not in that one percent who who deal with real world problems every day not saying one percenters don't but just in a different reality it, it really <laughs> is you know and and yeah outside of that ending i, I really loved this film and I I still enjoy it on on a whole. I think it's one of the better action horror films out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought uh, not only just that scene that you described Mm -hmm. in the beginning, the couple that are separating that get kind of stranded because the, the group with the the masks cut their fuel line. Yep. Um, There were tinges during that conversation that made me feel like, The husband was going to off the wife. Uh He was going to he was looking at all these pictures of better times because he wasn't going to let her know once the purge started, he was going to offer. That's how I felt. And that's where this the strong suit of this movie is, is that you can't trust anyone in this film. And I love that.
1: Oh, yeah. And not only that, but it it played off of your expectations as well. The gentleman with the mask carrying the machete, you kind of find out later on in the film what their actual motivation is, which is completely different than what they've led you to believe for most of the film with those guys. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, I love that scene to where, uh, you know, it, it's kind of revealed that you're just like, Oh, I, I did not expect
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought for a second, cause I looked at Amanda once they, they, you know, they capture the yeah. main group. I'm just like, wait, these are good guys. These are good. These are good. Then of course they weren't. No, but still, they weren't what we thought they were going to be.
1: I thought, I thought that for a moment too. I thought they were, Oh, oh wait a minute. Are these guys with that resistance group? And then like, Two minutes later, you like, oh, oh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> they're completely in it for other motivations. But, you know, it, it made sense. I think that's what I really like about what really gets me with this film versus some of the others is majority of the situations you see people put in here made sense within the world. And you could almost see, yeah, if there was a purge, I could see this. <laughs> yeah. And in the, the
0: world that they built – felt real mm-hmm. it, that was the main thing is if you don't buy into the world and you don't buy it buy into the people then this movie's not going to work it's not going to work for you and if you sat and thought about certain character motivations and you thought about certain things of course this film falls apart just like any other film where it's a high concept like this mm-hmm. i mean this is one of those types of films where you have to have a suspension of disbelief and you have to just allow it to do its thing. If you can do that, this is a hell of a ride. Oh, yeah. I, I really, really, really dig this film.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dug it too. I thought it was a really great... I was kind of worried when I heard that they were coming out with it. And then when I watched it, I was like, that was a good follow-up. That's where you want this to go, <laughs> you know? And so it makes me very curious how they're going to handle the next one. So.
0: Yeah, I I've seen now we've seen this trailer for a few months now. Yeah, I gotta be honest, this trailer's not hitting me.
1: No, me neither. I'm like sitting here going, "You're please don't just be a repeat of, don't let this be." Uh, uh, London has fallen during the purge, <laughs> you know where, or Olympus has fallen during the purge, where we have the one guy, you know, escorting the politician. And uh, across the the wasteland, if you will, uh, type of uh, movie. So, yeah, I'm not sure about it. I'm, I'm curious. I like it looks like some of the story I'm very interested in, but uh, I'm not sure where they're going to take it. And that's what has me a little nervous about it, too.
0: Yeah, the trailer didn't do much. But here, folks, just in anticipation for the next episode we're going to do on the Purge uh, election year. Here's the synopsis I'm getting off of IMDb.com. Two years after choosing not to kill the man who killed his son, former police sergeant Barnes has become head of security for Senator Charlene Rowan, the front runner in the next presidential election due to her vow to eliminate the purge. Now, it looks like the sergeant from the end of the film is rolled over into this next film. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, I well, I, I like yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Because <laughs> I, I I dug his character, so yeah, I'll, I'll see more of the sergeant. Um, Absolutely,
0: that's great. So, well, I, I maybe it's a good thing he didn't get killed in the anarchy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I do I do say, and I still gotta hold strong to this: the film would have had a much. I think you would have walked away with a real feeling in your gut mm-hmm. if, he, if it wouldn't have had that happy ending.
1: Yeah, it, you definitely would have had a, a more impactful ending. Uh, it doesn't negate the rest of the movie by any no, means, but no. it, but it's one of those things where uh, that fine line between true indie and, and Hollywood, on <laughs> the way this would end, uh, it, it got the Hollywood spin. Yes. Um, it, it got the first paranormal activity spin, so to speak, in that the original ending of the paranormal activity, not to drift too much away, but just that, that original ending, to me, had more impact than the, the Hollywood recut ending.
0: I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my God. It's night and day.
1: It, it is. You know, it, it just adds that extra punch and meaning. But at the same time, it, it it was not that Hollywood ending that, you know, they they think studios think film goers want i i think you know <laughs> I, I i think they don't give the audience enough credit sometimes in all don't. honesty
0: they absolutely yeah. don't so let's go ahead and mark let's i, I think it's pretty obvious what we think because first film i gave a thumbs up and you gave kind of a meh yeah and, and this film can we can we just say we both say go go check this thing out
1: oh definitely Definitely go see this one, especially if you were kind of disappointed by the first one. Go see this one. This film uh, is just a wild ride. It's intense. Uh, you never really leave our hero's side at all, which is a great thing to keep that perspective. And and yeah, it's it's a very intense moment. Uh, there's some great sounds in here as well, things they do with sound. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Big time! This is one of the few modern franchises that I can
0: get behind, mm-hmm. and I, for some reason, it's not popular amongst the horror fans. But what the fuck is popular amongst the horror <laughs> fans anymore?
1: There's so many subgenres and breakoffs and, and factions and such. It's really hard to gauge. I think this one because it's it's different to where you know action horror is a little harder to sell. I think people want some of their tried and true tropes and if you actually look just beneath the surface they're all there in this film uh, so i'm not sure why they don't care for it but to each his own you know
0: yeah uh, <laughs> fuck em. I them care. Right. they don't have to like it i like it so <laughs> all that ma- that's all that matters to me <laughs> so we're gonna take a short break folks and when we get back we're gonna do picks of the week So stick around.
1: I would bring back waterboarding and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. The soul of our country is at stake. The purge targets the poor. It is a night that is defining our country. The purge has to turn off the lights. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge the siren all crime including murder will be legal for 12 hours your government thanks you for your participation
0: we are on our own
1: thank you right that you're going to use donald trump for your glory in your kingdom oh father god amen
0: you don't understand what's at stake here
1: Our duty to help protect her. Here they come. Civilized nations do not engage in torture.
0: Raise your right hand. I do solemnly swear we'll vote for Donald J. Trump for president. U.S.A.
1: do die, I try the get fly. the bad, they get chosen white. You just to Don't die. But when the bad, take a chosen white. Go to die. I just But when with the bad, take a chosen white. the just
0: Welcome back folks. We're going to be bringing back a segment that I only sporadically do. It's a rollover from the old Astro Radio Z days with Corey J. Ubler, the picks of the week. This is where Mark and I, or whoever I'm with, choose something that we think you guys should go and check out that we've been consuming lately. Could be a movie, could be a book, could be music, could be food, could be anything. I don't give a flying fuck. It's just, hey, this is cool. You guys might think this is cool as well. So, Mark, what did you decide to bring in for the pick of the week?
1: I had many choices, but I'm picking one that I think will appeal to the Astro Radio Z fans out there, at least those that have grown up with uh, full moon entertainment. Coming out, uh, well, we're recording this on uh, the 13th, but I believe coming out in just a couple days, getting the Blu-ray treatment transferred from the original 35 millimeter negative Lurking Fear. Oh is, wow! Is coming out to Blu-ray, fully restored with commentary and uh, BTS stuff. Uh, but Lurking Fear, that a uh, kind of classic film that was uh, directed by C. Courtney Joyner, one of only two films that he directed. He did direct a segment later on, like ten years later, I think, in an anthology. But otherwise, the director of Transfers Three, and he directed Lurking Fear. He wrote many of my childhood full moon movies. <laughs> and, and he wrote this as well, but lurking fear is, is, is based off of an HP Lovecraft sh, uh, short story that, and uh, C. Courtney Joyner wrote the script for it. And as well as directed, it's got Jeffrey Combs in it. It's got, uh, I forgot her name, but the, the girl from Hellraiser in it, Ashley Lawrence, uh, Ashley Lawrence is in it. And uh, a couple other, uh, great actors and and one newcomer in there and basically you get the story of uh leffert's corners who have been plagued for years by these creatures who live underground and basically take people and eat them or uh, turn them into mutants and we see a last stand in a church with a priest a doctor played by jeffrey combs lawrence who plays a woman who uh, has turned badass ever since her sister got taken by one as well as a couple other people in the church. And along comes a guy who's looking for some money that his uh, father left him. He's an ex-con. His father was a thief and he buried money in a grave at this church. And so he happens upon this scene where uh, he doesn't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but these people are standing up against these creatures. And behind him are some villains who also know about the money and want it for themselves. And we see how all of them clash uh, all along this backdrop of this uh, town, just trying to deal with these creatures, uh, the restored version. I got to see a screener of it. It was it was beautiful. It was it was fantastic. The creatures in this film are really creepy. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Combs is amazing in it. Uh, there's just so many really great things about it. And, and it's entertaining. It's, you know, classic full moon stuff. You know, they all kinds of practical effects, and uh, uh, oh, I forgot his name uh, offhand. But he's been in a lot of genre films. He makes an appearance here as the character Snags, um, uh, Chavelli. Yep, Vincent Chavelli. Yeah, Vincent Chiavelli shows up in here. It was great to see him on here. Really, th- this is one that I remember watching but had not watched in ages, and I watched it again, and outside of, I'd say, the very, again, a film where at the very end, maybe it, it, it kind of uh, gets a little loose. Other than that, it, it's a fun film, especially for a, a early Full Moon Productions film. I thought it was directed well. Uh, the acting in there is is fun, you know. There's some over top stuff, and Combs is just great. Yeah,
0: it. this came from an era of full moon films where they were cranking out some really great stuff, and they went for more gothic type things. Like this is just a year later, we would get the amazing Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak, mm-hmm. which you know also had. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs was cranking out a bunch of Full Moon stuff at this time because he had Dr. Mordred, he had Lurking Fear, he had Castle Freak. I mean, this these are some great flicks. And the fact that this finally got a Blu-ray treatment, I'm excited. I haven't seen this movie since it originally came out in the 90s.
1: Yeah, and like I said, that's about when I remember seeing it last. And uh, I actually got to uh, send some written questions to Joiner as well and he gave some uh, real interesting background on some of the uh, story with the making of as well and uh yeah it it's it's a it's a nice horror film if you if you're a horror fan out there and you're looking for some earlier stuff that's fun uh you know it's got some great spirit to it it lurking fear is definitely one of them it's not a traditional story really uh the way it plays out the way uh, these intersecting storylines go and uh it looked beautiful it really did awesome i can't wait
0: to see this that's great so I'm gonna bring in something that's going to be a slight bit controversial. Oh, this is also going to come with a little bit of a soapbox, so bear with me, folks. My pick of the week is going to be X Men Apocalypse. Ooh, nice! I really, really enjoyed X Men Apocalypse, <laughs> and I haven't been the the biggest fan of this reboot series. I I did like Days of Future Past. I thought, you know, that was the only way they were going to really reboot this series and at least keep some sort of continuity going. Because, of course, they've been doing this series for almost like 15, 16 years now. (laughs) And Patrick Stewart is not going to be doing any more X-Men films And uh, Hugh Jackman, you know, is supposed to play the immortal Wolverine who never ages, yet he keeps aging. (laughs) So they had to do something. Um, So I thought, you know, for what it was, Days of Future Past was good. I did not like First Class. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. It just did nothing for me whatsoever. Um, So I thought, you know, going into X-Men Apocalypse, that trailer that they had been putting out there for months was awful, (laughs) was terrible. Just it made it look horrible. And then you get this, you see all these initial reviews that were coming in and people are just, you know, well, this is where part of my soapbox is going to come in, folks. All these people ready to take a steaming mango sized turd on its front porch before the thing even came out. This is the same shit that happened when Batman versus Superman came out. I cannot stand this world we live in right now in fan culture where people get off on just hating things because it will garner them likes it, what happened to the point where we were excited about getting cool shit? At what point did we become so fucking cynical that we thought, or, or even narcissistic, was probably a more accurate way to put this, that we thought our voice really fucking mattered <laughs> about any of this shit? Newsflash people, These are fucking superhero films. These are movies about dudes and chicks in spandex punching each other. Lasers are coming out of their
1: fucking eyes. They fly around in the sky and punch each other. What the fuck is wrong with you people? But they don't punch each other like they're supposed to.
0: (laughs) I am just, I am so sick to death of hearing Anyone's opinion on anything concerning superhero films anymore. I'm done. Literally, when a new superhero film comes out, and you hear everyone on the internet collectively get on a soapbox and beat their chests about how you know much of a fan they are and how this doesn't go with continuity and this isn't correct with the book and, oh my gosh, this is the best. There's always two factions. This is the best comic book movie ever or this is the worst comic book movie ever. There's never in between. And those that like it get damned by those that don't and those that, that don't like it don't get it. And I'm just so fucking sick of it. <laughs> Can't we just enjoy things anymore? Can't people just shut the fuck up and enjoy things anymore? It makes me, you know, after I saw Batman vs Superman, I saw the out, you know, the the backlash that that had, mm-hmm. and I went and saw it, and I actually really liked it, and I'm really excited for the Blu-ray that's coming out, that the director's cut that's coming out. I'll be getting it day one. Same here and i don't give a fuck if people think that i'm an idiot for liking that film i don't care your opinion doesn't like change the film for me <laughs> this podcast isn't about me telling you what you should watch and that my or that my opinion matters or that it's better than anyone else's this is just an avenue for me to sit and like talk about things that i like and hang out with my buds and talk movies just like you nor know, you would do in normal life. This isn't about me getting myself over that I have that I'm so important that that my opinion matters more than anyone else. No. This is just an avenue for if you're interested in listening to film discussion, we're gonna sit and talk about it. But I don't care if you don't agree with me or you don't. I'm personally I can't read anything about opinions on movies anymore i'm done with it i'm really like when it comes to especially these superhero movies and science fiction or superhero movies comic book movies in general i would i would die a happy man if i never had to read one more fucking opinion on a on a comic book movie ever i think the the entitlement of the of geeks i think geeks are ruining fucking fandom right now why are we so mad about the Ghostbusters? Oh, Why? God. Who gives I, a flying fuck? You don't want to see it? Don't see it. I don't care if you're not going to go see it. I don't care. You know what it makes you seem like when you have to sit and profess that, you know what? Oh, there's a new, or you won't even name something because you're afraid somebody's going to get down on you for liking something? You sound like a fucking idiot nobody cares your opinion doesn't matter that much it's a movie doesn't does it change anybody's fucking life if you're gonna go see ghostbusters you know what it does it shows your prejudice that's what it does more than anything so really when it comes to you know what i'm excited for the new ghostbusters and you know what and it was unpopular And the but the thing is The more and more I keep hearing people talk about X-Men Apocalypse, the more I find out more and more people actually liked it. Yet supposedly in the media, it was a big, huge bomb.
1: (laughs) How how do you win, Mark? You you don't. And I got caught up in it for a while. And after my podcast with X-Men Apocalypse, that was kind of my uh, therapy thing, because for a while I got kind of caught up into it, I'll fully admit And I was trying to and this was this is what got me was I was trying to uh, compare them together. And what my brain was really what broke my brain for a while was trying to figure out why did one film get a pass when the other one doesn't? And and there were certain flaws that I saw with both films. And I, I racked my brain for a while. Plus, I was just seeing people hate on a film before it even came out. And I think that's what really got me the same as you is I'm like the, the movie hasn't even come out A- and you're saying, oh, yes, I hate this film, too. And I'm like, but did you see the film? Well, no, but this this reviewer says exactly my feelings of how I felt the movie was going to be. I'm like, but did you see it yet? <laughs> Dude, no. People, social
0: media has ruined fandom. It's ruined fandom because it's made people think that their opinions matter that much. Well, it's just like I said, just because I run a podcast doesn't mean that my opinion or my voice is more important than anyone else's. It means I have a computer and a microphone and I know how to record my voice going into a computer mm -hmm. and I know how to put it out there. It's, just another opinion like an asshole. Everyone's got
1: one. <laughs> well, you're, you're sharing your passion with film. That's the way I always looked at doing reviews. And that is not so much as here. Take my word as gospel, because I always my mantra is always I love film because you could have 100 people. to watch the same film and everyone will get something different from it. Uh you know, and for me, I just like sharing my opinions. But whether or not you agree with it, you see it yourself. If you loved a film that I totally hated, fantastic. I wish I could see the film in the same eyes you did. But on the other hand, too, if I loved a film that you hated, don't sit there and shit all over, you know, because I like the film you hated. You know, I'll listen to your side, you listen to mine. But in the end, you know, I'll watch it again, maybe with some perspective. But yeah, I mean, I got caught up into it for a while and I finally I let it go because, yeah, you've got to take these films by themselves. And, yeah, they're superhero films. I mean, we're getting You and me both, Derek, especially, you know, because you're not you're you're younger than I am. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a baby. You're, you're such a baby face. But <laughs> my friends and I, uh, who, you know, we're all around a, a similar age. We talk about how, man, when I was a teenager, when I was my kid's age what i had was superman films yep and and some bad direct to video superhero films and some good ones but still it, it wasn't every 3 months every month or two in a month no less that i got a superhero film no we got we got superman 3 which is widely considered now one of the worst superman films but i remember when i was a kid i watched that fucking thing all the time. I must have watched the Superman films over and over again. And then, you know, for me, I, the huge one for me was Batman in 89 when it came oh, out. Yeah. Holy shit. I lost my shit. It was like Batman everything. Man, I think every kid
0: at, when that came out was Batman. That was when people were carving Batman into their hair.
1: I know, right? Because, like that was cool because we hadn't really gotten a superhero besides bat, uh, besides Superman up until then with the big screen treatment. None that were at least popular, uh, you other know, than Hulk on TV hulk or you know direct to tv or some direct to video stuff but still i mean batman it just blew you away the scope that he had did it in regardless of how you felt batman was portrayed burton really broke open the genre said look you could do something other than superman and you could do something on a scale with a world built a comic book world built and actually work within it and make it successful is what he showed and and yeah but you know, now, cramps we had two in a month. We had Civil War at the beginning of May and X-Men Apocalypse at the end of May. We got Suicide Squad coming out. Don't forget Doctor Strange yet and another Star Wars film. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the era of the geek where geek is chic. Um, but you know what? We we don't have, uh, you know, just because you're a fan of it, it doesn't mean you have a tight hold on it or someone can't enjoy something uh, that might not portray it as equal to whatever that was in the comics or whatnot, because they're not, they're the movies, you know, you, you got to take them and you got to take them by themselves because each movie is going to be different. But, you know, the whole Marvel riff just I think is what got me as well is how there is a core group that seemed to want to crap on anything that isn't from Marvel studios <laughs> regardless of what it is, regardless of it's good or not. Oh, you you like this? Well, you're an idiot.
0: (laughs) Dude, I am like, like I said, I just don't care anymore. All I care about is going to see cool movies. Mm -hmm. And these are, and you and I had had off air conversation about this because I had listened to your X-Men Apocalypse um, podcast over go check it out folks over at the spoiler room you can subscribe on iTunes please go do it mark runs a great podcast I had I listened to that episode and I had heard tinges of this seeping into you and I know you're not normally like this but I but uh, but I could I could tell that you were slightly concerned about maybe being a little democratic about the way you were talking about. Certain aspects, because you didn't want to incur the wrath of the geek culture, (laughs) you know. And and to me, that's just like the whole point. We we sit and do these podcasts, or we we take the time to sit in. Or in your case, you you film reviews. You take all this time out of your day. You're so passionate about it. To Basically feel like you need to be shushed because you're worried about what this multitude of people, the, these quote unquote people out there that are that are just words on a screen. What mm-hmm. they fucking what they think, like it matters. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. None of this fucking matters. This is entertainment, folks. These are, as I said, these are comic book films. Take a step fucking back people these movies are intended for children Mm -hmm. i don't care what you think i no longer care if you like it or not all i know is i walk into each and every one of them excited because i grew up just like you at a time where we didn't have these things we had the comic books and to even just have the opportunity to see these things the way that we see them now. If I would have seen them like this when I was a kid, holy
1: fuck. <laughs> Can worry. you
0: imagine oh, seeing yes. something like Captain America Civil War when you were a kid? Oh, you know, this, even though I make fun of it and always i am constantly on this show giving it new names, the, the movie if I would have seen that when I, I was a kid, these kids have it are so lucky. Oh so yeah. So lucky now that they get to see these characters done in such a spectacular way up on screen. And we should be happy that we live in an age where anything can be visualized now mm-hmm. in a near photorealistic manner. You know what that means? That means anything we think of can now become a reality on screen. Yet all we can focus on now is what we hate. For me, I'm sick of it. I don't want anything to do with it. I've for a long time actively tried to avoid on this podcast talking about things that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get caught in the middle with our franchise episodes. <laughs> where we, <talk> about things <laughs> we don't like, but that's because we go forward to to sit and examine an entire seer, series of movies and sometimes that happens but for the most part I don't like doing that and I don't want this show to be about that I want this show to be a resource for you guys to come and listen to me be jabber on like a jackass about shit that I like with my friends and to to round this out I liked X-Men Apocalypse it was big it was stupid It was like it was like the 90s X-Men cartoon put to life on a big screen in live Mm -hmm. action. I loved it. And what did I mostly take away from it? I finally got to see the Weapon X scene on screen Mm -hmm. the way that I thought it would be when I first read that comic book. I remember I got that comic book. And I read it cover to cover and took it with me wherever I went when it first came out. And when I sat there during this fucking almost three hour movie, let, let's not even get to the fact that this was an almost three hour fucking movie. <laughs> you know me, I'm an old man. I, I'm amazed. I stayed awake the entire time. But anyways, when that scene hit and I didn't, I did had no idea. It was going to happen because, like I said, I don't read anything anymore about these movies. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't need to know what anyone thinks. I just want to go in and have a good time. And when that scene happened, I have never had such a huge smile on my face sitting in a movie theater. That made the entire thing so worth it to me. I don't care if the X-Men were just in bathroom stalls taking dumps. The rest of the movie. I got to see that Weapon X scene. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. It was awesome. So I would say if you liked any of the other X Men movies, and psst, I liked X Men 3. <laughs> Go check it out. Go check it out. I really, really liked it. And if you stuck around and listened to this entire rant, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got a soapbox. I'm sorry I sat and got my ire up. This was, I was almost thinking about. After all this doing an episode entitled Dear Internet, (laughs) because I'm just like so sick of this garbage, sick of it. Don't care anymore. Don't care what you anybody thinks about comic book movies at all. So it's probably the last you're ever going to hear me (laughs) talking about this because I want to move on. And I just like I, I hope. Because some of this leaks over into the horror fan Culture as well mm-hmm. I really hope we can get beyond ourselves And start enjoying things again Because there's a lot Of great stuff out there being made And we should be lucky That we get to see this stuff You don't, want, you don't like it Then don't go
1: mm-hmm.
0: Let the rest of us who enjoy And are happy to see some of this stuff Let us enjoy it I don't care if you think less of me for it. So anyways, Mark, a couple more weeks. We'll be back to talk about another Purge movie. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> so now that we purged out our hatred for a comic book <laughs> fandom, let's say good night, Mark. And why don't you uh, plug away at the stuff whereby let's let the listeners know where they can find you and your all your amazing stuff.
1: Okay. Well, uh, first I just want to say that you're absolutely right. Uh, Too it does bleed over to the horror genre. And uh, yeah, I agree as well that I need uh, to, uh, as one who fell victim to some of the internet stuff, uh, just don't let yourself get caught up into it. Go see the film. Don't feel apologetic that you're going to see a movie that a lot of people are hating, uh, which I kind of felt for a while. Just enjoy it. And if you enjoyed it and someone else didn't, regardless of how big the movie was, great. Just enjoy the fact you enjoyed the film.
0: Yeah. Are they going to be sitting there in your house telling you what an idiot you are for watching this movie? Fuck those people. Enjoy things. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. If you like something, it's good.
1: And and I agree. And, and like in, in past two, I've caught myself feeling like that once in a while, and I, I've tried to purge myself. Uh, but if you want Wait. to hear about me, purging myself uh, of various thoughts and words about films. You can head over to specialmarkproductions.com, which is a one-stop shop for all your movie man needs. We've got our spoiler room podcast. Uh, We've also got, uh, I post the latest six episodes of my final cut review. I've got interviews posted up there. Uh, There's all kinds of things up there and that's, you can launch from there. I'm also on the Facebook. Uh, There's a final cut page as well. as Spoiler room page. And on the Twitters at Movie Maniac 3D. Uh, you can follow me there because I usually post something or other movie related continuously. So, Mark, we should do more of these. <laughs> uh, this was fun. Yeah. I, this was a lot of fun.
0: Well, maybe in the future we can start doing a little more.
1: Just I need my Mark time. <laughs> you need your Mark time. Well, I need my, I need my Derek time too. So, <laughs>
0: well folks we're going we're going to close the door because you don't need to see what happens next <laughs> have a good night you can find astro radio z on itunes stitcher TuneIn, spreaker youtube and anywhere that podcasts are found please subscribe share rate and review You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.